everyone. Welcome to Super Soul Solutions for today's show where you will learn about the first human and extraterrestrial interstellar treaty conference that took place in Exeter, England back in 1961. In this convention and following conventions you will also hear about in future shows, Human beings, along with at least 100 extraterrestrial species, had to scientifically prove that they were indigenous to Earth in order to maintain their rights to Earth as their, quote, home, unquote, planet. A pretty big deal. My guest today is Joanne Richards, a journalist and executive director of the educational nonprofit Earth Defense Headquarters. Joanne's husband, Captain Mark Richards, U.S. Navy, and Mark's father, Ellis Lloyd Richards, Jr., U.S. Air Force Major, were soldiers in a top-level military performed intelligence operations since World War II. Many special operations included on-world and off-world contact with various humanoid and non-humanoid species. So in this show, Joanne will share fascinating and eye-opening stories of meetings and engagements with different species, starting with Raptor Prince Naga Draconis of the Imperial Fleet and Captain Lloyd Richards, Jr., who conspired together to bring both their indigenous species together with a goal to work in alliance and no longer be enemies. And for the picture of these raptors, folks, Think the velociraptors that you saw in the Jurassic World movie, which, by the way, the raptors themselves financed to begin to get humans used to more friendly dragons. At that convention, at least 100 species were in attendance, along with the who's who's list of the world. The logistics, secrecy, and safety were a huge deal. Imagine each species having different needs, food requirements, and many needing unique self-contained environs, especially our five sentient ocean species. Well-known architect who created the concept of the geodesic dome, Buckminster Fuller, designed many of these unique environments for the convention. Richards oversaw the security for this entire conference. Gosh, talk, talk about herding cats, literally. Wait till you hear about the upright walking feline and leonine species. So the list of attendees included royalty, top officials, and many well-known scientists in all areas of academic expertise. So with that introduction, I welcome you, Joanne. Hi there. Hi. How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you always are. <laughs> well, You're always you know. awesome. I <laughs> know. <laughs> okay. So we're going to start off today by me asking you this question. So okay. can you describe the purpose of the first interstellar treaty convention that took place in Exeter in 1961 and some of the famous people invited from around the world? In other words, the purpose of it, more or less. Sure. <clears throat> well, first of all, I learned that it was suggested by aliens because of the Cuban Missile Crisis, and they were quite worried about us humans setting up nuclear devices in the, the atmosphere. And they wanted us to learn and understand that um, there is a broader community beyond just us humans on Earth. They warned us if we, you know, kept setting off, if we kept using nuclear devices to settle our disputes, we would destroy our own planet. 
Uh, they let us know they'd been studying us for thousands of years, and they wanted to see if we could relate to each other, you know, humans and non-humans, as sentient beings, because most non-humans uh, do not see us as sentient beings because their civilizations are so advanced. <laughs> so part of the reason for the con- – yeah, I know. <laughs> like, and we, we think we're all that. And, and we I know. we're so arrogant, right? You know, like, I know, oh. I know. <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, it was it was a social experiment to see how humans would react with the inner uh, interact with the aliens because a lot of the humans that attended the conference maybe knew about aliens but they'd never seen them themselves. And then Mark and his English girlfriend, you know, they were seven and eight, something like that. They were two human children that were allowed to hang out with alien children who had come with their parents who were ambassadors. And so, you know, it was the other part of the social experiment was like, well, see if the kids can get along with the aliens. Um, and they had lots of committee meetings about, you know, would they let us go out in space? Would they sell us our, their used spacecraft? You know, would they be allowed to kidnap humans? Would we be allowed to, you know, maybe how far we could go out into space? Would we be allowed to defend the Earth? So lots going on. But it was, you know, there have been many treaties you know, since probably the 30s, and a lot of them had already been broken, so they were trying to, you know, establish one big treaty, you know, to see if if everybody could get along, basically. And yes, um, many, yeah, the attendees, I mean, there were heads of state, so you had political leaders, you had, uh, you know, I don't don't know how many um, royal people, but there were heads of state, whether they were military and political, you had UN leaders, you had um, lots of scientists there. I know Carl Sagan was there, Buckminster Fuller was there, and the whole conference was organized, well, it was authorized by President Kennedy and the British Prime Minister, and as you said, Mark's dad was asked to, well, he was asked to help organize it, and he was in charge of security. So there was lots going on and it was a fascinating time apparently mark loved being there <laughs> oh that's so, that's so cool i just love this story and vice president johnson also wasn't he there oh that, that's right yeah president kennedy did not attend but president uh, vice president johnson president kennedy right. right yeah so cool this is so cool and of course the kids get along <laughs> oh they got along great mark general, loved playing right? with, you know it's like it was just playing with kids. You know, he didn't think of it as like, oh, they're aliens. Ooh. You know, they don't look like me. Ooh. He just had fun playing with the alien children. You know, it's like, because I was just being which a boy. Is, <laughs> right. Which in this case, folks, uh, there's a picture on the shout out and we'll be in the future YouTube. You'll see pictures of these species that Mark was so kind to hand draw and gave, uh, he and Joanne gave us permission to use the, these pictures. So you'll get a sense of this. So um, now, how many species attended this first convention, and where were all these species housed in England? Because <laughs> they had to be hidden from the masses, right? You can't right. Have the locals so there were the stuff. No, and and the the RAF was very good at keeping the civilians away from the places that they were staying. So, what's interesting is the there were like about a hundred species that attended that first one. And the opening and closing ceremonies were held at Buckfast Abbey in a little, you know, village of Buckfast, I think it's called. I've been there. And it's like right in the middle of town. So, And, and I don't know how 
you know, small it was back in 1961. And again, back in 1961, England wasn't, you know, as crowded as it is now. So you could get around and, you know, they could just make it so that you didn't see stuff and they could just close off an area and keep people out. Um, but the Raptors that we'll talk about, they stayed at a place called Castle Drogo. So a lot of these committee meetings and a lot of different meetings were held it's all in the southern part of England. So they made use of airfields and uh, places that were close to the ocean for the ocean-going species that were going to come, the field for, like, things that were going to land in a spaceship. There's one village that has a dimensional portal, and I've been there too. Um, and so some interdimensional species were going to enter through that, you know, dimensional portal. So lots of – and um, so this took – so like Devon, Cornwall, I don't know how much over in Cornwall, but all along the southern coast, just you had different uh, places because not all of the species could hang out together. <laughs> you know, some of yeah. them didn't get, a lot of them didn't get along. So you weren't going to have two enemy species like staying at the same place. And But the government would just rent somebody's big manor house or a castle or whatever and, you know, close it off to the public. And that was that. Nobody, well, I don't know if they asked questions, but, it, you know, it's just how you did it. So. Well, and so many um, of those places, like you mentioned, I looked them up on the map, and they're very isolated, like at the end of points and things like that. So, right, was right. The, you know. it was, was the English royal family hosting this event for the Raptors since Prince Naga Draconis's family line comes from the British Isles? I found out on the Jurassic Coast in southern England that covers 96 miles. Right. And when they right. when they themselves walk right there, they, they go into this reverence of their ancestry. And there's been mm -hmm. many fossils and footprints of their kind found. So, um, you know, how is that allowed by the Queen and all that, the connection there? I'm not sure. That's one thing I've, I've never asked <laughs> Mark, why did they pick okay. England? But may, maybe it was because of that. But, you know, again, there were other species coming. So I don't, it wasn't like they were catering to what the raptors wanted. So I'll have to ask that question why they, they chose England um, for, for one thing, because I don't know. But like you said, uh, Naga's line came from that southern coast area. And one of the field trips that Mark and the kids took was to go down there and, and the you know, especially the, the raptor children that were with him, they just love exploring that part and, and seeing where their ancestors had been from. And, yeah, there's you know, there's a lot of evidence there that, you know, dinosaurs roamed that part of the world. Um, but, you yeah. know, I don't think the the British royal family, you I don't think you would say they would they hosted it. You know, it's like they, I know Prince Philip was involved, and I don't know if he was, well, I'm sure, I know he was head of their space program. So I don't know if he was back then or not. I, you know, I'm not sure when he became the head of it. But, you know, and and the queen. I mean, they all they all knew about this. All the heads of state obviously know about this. But I'm sure the queen would have not attended that event. But Prince Philip was there, mm -hmm. and Prince Charles was at least at the the opening ceremony. But you're never going to get him to admit that. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, no. <laughs> and it was mostly it was organized by the military leaders, as far as I know. Um, and, you know, well, Mark, sense. Mark's dad's rich was, he was involved with inviting a lot of these people. So, you know, he got to talk to them and convince them that it was a really good idea for everybody to sit down and talk and, 
um, it was a good experience. By the way, um, I just want the audience to be clear that Mark's father's nickname was Rich. It's not that he's rich. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, they called him Rich because his last name is Richards, and his military nickname was called the Dutchman. So. <laughs> Yeah, he's one kick-ass yeah. dude, let me tell you. Whew. Yeah, okay. yeah, he, he was. So in, ter- in terms of Mark's family, uh, is he from royal lineage, lineage? Because I do remember Mark stating to me once that uh, one time he, he was visiting Queen Elizabeth and was sitting on her lap talking to her as a little kid, of course. So what's Mark's lineage actually, line? Well, uh, actually, okay, that was he was with the Queen Mom, so Queen Elizabeth's mother. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm sure he's met the queen. He he has worked in military capacities, obviously as an adult with Prince Philip. Um, but he used to have, he has had tea with the queen mom. So that was delightful. Um, but Mark's lineage, his, I'm not sure about his mother's off the top of my head, but his father's lineage is, you know, his father's mom was of some high level British families I know the last name Peacock comes to mind, and I guess that means something in England. Um, and the, his dad's dad's side was from Germany, so there's, you know, Germany was, you know, once a country of all these little princedoms. You know, you're, there's a lot of German princes all over the place, and so Mark's lineage is a German princedom um, from the Rhineland area of, and they got they got defeated by the Prussians, so. I think a lot of them went to like maybe the Netherlands and to Belgium. So a lot of those royal families, you know, came from, you know, like where Mark's family was. So yeah, yeah. He's, he's if if he was if he was, you know, if they were still a prince dumb or whatever, he he would be a German prince, technically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know I know uh, those lineages and DNA. Are a big deal. So, how and when did Mark Richards, your husband, first meet the Raptors? And again, people think the Jurassic World movie. And which Raptors did Mark get introduced to? So, so kind of paint us a picture of that. Movie. Sure. When Mark was born in 1953, two months to the day, yeah, two months later, um, a contingency of Raptors came to the Marin County, and in the Marin Water District, they did like a naming blood brother type ceremony with him, like picture the Lion King, you know, where they raise up the kid, the baby lion who's going to be the future king. Um, So that's what they do with Mark, and he has a scar on his wrist that is from, you know, probably Naga's Claw and then doing some blood brother thing. Um, Mark's mm-hmm. dad had met Naga the year before because a Raptor contingency in their spacecraft had, had arrived at Hamilton Air Force Base in Nevada, California. So Mark's dad met him first, and they started, you know, talking and have, having dealings and working together. And then Mark was born the following year. So that's when technically Mark first met Naga, even though I don't think he remembers it. Um, but who knows? Mm-hmm. His memory is better than mine. Um, officially, they met at the Exeter Conference because obviously Naga was there as an ambassador for his race, and two of his children, Linka and Craig, were there. And I think Linka was, I think she was like a young teen at that time, and Craig was 
probably a little younger, or they might, because he's always told me they were like some from the same clutch of eggs. So they might have been the same age. So they they were a few years older than Mark, and Mark and Titania were taken to Drogo Castle where they the the raptors were staying, and I've been there. It's a it's a it's a castle, but it's not a medieval castle. Some the first guy the the British guy who like opened a big grocery store chain in England, you know, he built this home as a castle. So it was his private home. Anyway, you, you park and you walk across this huge lawn. And so Mark remembers walking across this huge lawn and these two rap, these, you know, he sees his dad and Prince Naga <laughs> coming across the mm-hmm. lawn. So, okay, his dad's coming toward him with a dinosaur. And then um, these other, <laughs> these two younger dinosaurs are, you know, coming up to their dad and, and being very curious and so his dad gives them permission to go over and meet the humans. And I love the story because, you know, Mark and Lincoln met and, you know, they they have very sharp claws. So she, you know, she tucked her claws under into her like her palm. And, you know, they said hello to each other basically. And they did kind of a fist bumping thing because otherwise, you know, you can't really <laughs> shake hands or you might get. And then they like to sniff us or sniff whoever, you know, to get the scent. And if they really like you, they might lick you to show them, you know, show everybody that they're friends and, and that kind of stuff. So so Mark has fond memories of that meeting. And that was the beginning of them becoming friends. And, you know, he went on to do military missions with Craig and uh Princess Linka has gone on to be she's now the empress of their race. So um fascinating. Just and you know, I, we could talk about yeah. rappers for hours. <laughs> yeah, I know. We could. We could. <laughs> um I mean think about that Mark was the childhood playmates, right? With the the empress now of their entire, you know, race. And then also Yeah, and then you know, like their- I said, they went on they went on several field trips while the different meetings, they they went to some of the meetings, but they mostly were going on field trips and being taught by, oh, I think there were probably some raptor sorceresses who were there, or at least one, you know, so like chaperones, you had really cool chaperones who were teaching you about science and about space as you're going to these yeah. field trips and the kids are telling him, it's like, yeah, we've known you humans have been out going out in space for years and, you know, you know, because yeah. so, we had, we'd been going to space since the 50s. So it's it's pretty remarkable how much they knew about us. Oh, yeah. And one of the amazing yeah. things, though, is up to this point, if I have this right, Joanne, um, there was a little, like, it's very hard for the little ones because they're used, they were used to eating us as food. And this was one of right. the first times they met a human where they weren't allowed to eat. <laughs> Like, oh, do I lick you because I'm telling everybody you're you're my lunch or because yes. I want to get, you know, be friends with you? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because Mark said um, at the castle, and again, I've been to the castle so I can envision these things. You know, there's a big, there's a grand dining room and off the dining room is a lovely like patio area. And they had a big, you know, banquet or a huge big dinner where you know they're probably going to have a meeting that night who knows exactly but anyway um they had a dinner but they had to have the the humans eat indoors and the raptors had to go outdoors because all they eat is live food and it gets pretty messy so mm-hmm. you know <laughs> most exactly. humans don't want to really don't want to yeah. watch that <laughs> 
Exactly. So, and then it, raptors' children have unlimited energy too. They're like, uh, yeah, they're they like do. These they're pistons. constantly it's running. Like, yeah, they're yeah, like crazy. But, yeah, they love to run, and it's yeah, they're they're pretty amazing. It, it's an amazing species, <gasps> to mm-hmm. say the least. Yeah, and um, as as Joanne said, Mark uh, had mentioned that the raptors, even the ones like Naga, who no longer wanted to eat every human they found, were not yet allies at the time of this convention, particularly. Like, we're talking about the race in 1961. Kind of shaky comrades, right? Weren't we? Right. I mean, they had started to become our allies back after, because that's why Naga had gone to Hamilton Air Force Base and met with Rich and other military leaders because uh, the Empress at the time was Naga's grandmother, but she was aging and she was grooming her daughter, Naga's mom, to become the Empress. So the mom had sent Naga there as an ambassador because they felt it was, you know, they felt it was time to start seeing if they could work with the humans. And Empress Lincoln now, you know, still feels it's in their best interest to work with us. And so, you know, they started that um, ally relationship back in the early 50s. And so it probably wasn't perfected, obviously, by 1961. And, um, you know, they've Mm -hmm. always looked upon us like pets. (laughs) Exactly. they, They agree that we're sentient beings, but, you know... Again, all these other species are so much more advanced and older than our, you know, our civilization. Then, you know, it's it's amazing why they would, you know, they they obviously don't see us as equals, which is fine. They're older and wiser. (laughs) Well, well, and plus, uh, many, most of the people listening have been miseducated in uh, thinking that dinosaurs were stupid and little brains and all this stuff. So I know in their minds, they're going, and some were, were, but I know in their minds, they're going, how do these beings even communicate? And Naga, being an ambassador, he's um, a very amazing being, and being an ambassador, he was willing to have surgery. Do you want to talk about that so they get a sense of that? Well, sure. You know, the, the more elite of their, you know, they definitely have some kind of caste system, but the more elite of their species, and I don't know exactly at what age, but um, they do, they are allowed to have, uh, it's like four, I think total of four surgeries on their voice boxes and their vocal cords so that they can speak human languages. Um, I think Mark said, you know, back in that time, it's like Onaga could speak, I don't know, 14 to 16 different languages. But I mean, Mark can speak Raptor, and it's a, it's amazing. It's very interesting to listen to, and it's very guttural and hissy, kind of like German. So they can speak German really well, but they can speak lots of different human languages. And so by the time Mark met them, you know, he might have been able to, you know, the children that were there might have had some of the operations, if not all of them. But also, you know, one thing we learned from this conference is that. Um, Many of the species, you know, if they couldn't communicate through voice, and a lot of them couldn't mm-hmm. you know, um, with each other, but they would either they would use the the greys as translators, or a lot of species have what we call elementals or fairy beings with them, even from space, and they would you know everybody's elementals would talk to each other and they would you know, translate that way. So amazing right plus a few ai plus those species that are telepathic or psionic plus translator right. devices right? right right so, so you had a bunch yeah, of options so, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there, you Mark, they they came across. There was an AI, a little AI creature, that um, you know, became I guess friends with. You could say friends with him. Um, and then you know, there were elementals around, and you know, when Mark and when Mark was with the children, I mean, they didn't use the grays, but um, they had elementals, and they could use telepathy to talk to each other, and it was amazing. To the adults were really amazed at how well the children got along, and you know, Titania with her magical gifts, and Linka having the same types of magical gifts. You know, so they could interdimensionally shift pretty quickly, and you know, nobody would see where the children had gone, or you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was amazing. So yeah, the children just had no problem getting along and communicating most with each ch- other. Most children don't. Even yeah. human children, most don't until they've been, you know, decon, you know, conditioned. So, right. so what do you think right. the raptors, uh, the raptors think about as humans, especially at first? It wasn't very flattering, was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think too, you know, like you said, they used to eat humans on a regular basis. And once Mark's dad started working with Naga, he was teaching him that eating us on a regular basis was not a good idea. So he really helped institute that practice that they stop eating us. Um, and what was I going to say? What do they think of us? They think of us as pets. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they do acknowledge that we are sentient beings, but they also, I think they think we're silly <laughs> because, you know, we're using oh, all this yeah. machinery and, you know, it, it's funny because they, they don't necessarily invent a lot of technology. They'll borrow or steal a lot of technology, but they're very technologically advanced. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, so they're they're not happy that we have fouled the earth and taken such poor care of it because this is their, this is their home world. So while they're willing to work with us, they're not happy with us that we've done such a poor job of stewardship for over our planet because, you know, it was lush and jungly when they were here and, um, you know, they they would like to see it that way again, but that doesn't mean they want to um, kill us all off and take over or make us their slaves. But um, it's it's interesting. They're willing to work with us, but uh, they don't see us as equals by any means, as far as I can no. tell. <laughs> well, they have so. the hierarchy too, and and kind of a multiple caste system thing. I know that they originally thought. Well said, by the way, Joanne. I know that they originally thought that. Um, humans foul up their own nest, which they found stupid and disgusting, like you said, and that that we cause so much overcrowding and pollution, much like the oceanic species hate us for. And they also, the raptors, I remember Mark saying, they think way ahead, like advanced species are supposed to, right? And they think about the, and they keep their tech off planet. So they keep the connection to nature for the most part. Is that what you know Right, right. They're very ecologically sound, you know, and when they're building a base here on Earth, you know, they don't build buildings. Everything's underground, and they're doing everything naturally and slowly. So I don't know exactly how they do that, but if they need to manufacture something, they do it off planet. Now, I I would say that, you know, their their custom had been, you know, to – kidnap people here and there but they're not mass kidnappers like other species are and sometimes you know naga naga would have a harem of lots of females a very a lots of different species so you know that was just their custom it's just 
you know, they're not necessarily monogamous. So. <laughs> All right. And we'll get into into that in a minute. I know that um, I think Mark stated, if I remember this right, that he said, for our new, quote, dragon friends, not they thought regarding humans not being able to smell properly, marked a species as being low on the evolutionary ladder, not <laughs> to mention being sadly cheated on the developmental scale. <laughs> that, that's probably Isn't quite accurate. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, I, I, feel, I forgot it's any of like that. Perfect. but. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, so, it's funny. So, um, go, go ahead. Oh, you go, hon. No, I insist. Um, well, it's you know some of the, some of the funny things, like uh, you and I know, it's like they do. You know, they do like to have a lot of fun. So, um, and and the raptors, they have bases here on the planet. Um, they don't. Nobody interacts openly with civilians, but they do have bases here. But they do like to have fun and they like nice things. So. They'll commandeer like a shopping mall late at night in Tokyo, for example, or you know it doesn't always be Tokyo, but and go shopping, and they'll go to Las Vegas or Macau <laughs> late at night and and go gambling. But a lot of species go gambling, so it's not just the raptors. A lot of species love to go gambling, um, and 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 the other the wonderful thing, and I don't I didn't pull it up anywhere, but um, one of the things I love about them. For as dangerous as they look, they're some of the most spiritual beings that I've ever heard about. Because um, you've probably heard me give the quote, but they, a raptor senator at the conference we'll talk about in another interview, you know, he gave the most beautiful quote about their connection to the universe and how everything is infinite and wonderful and, you know, one with each other, even if you can't see each other or even if you can't hear, but you know, their connection to the universe is so far beyond where I'm at. Um, it's mm-hmm. just it's just amazing. And you wonder, You just, I just sit in awe and I pretty much cry every time I read that quote to an audience. It's just amazing how spiritual they are. You know, they don't, they're, I've had people ask me, it's like, they're not like, they're not religious, definitely not religious, um, but they're very spiritual. And it's it's amazing, and you know they love Mother Earth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah. they're like one with it. Like exactly, believe in oneness and respect for right. nature. Right. Mother Earth. Well, you know about cultural <laughs> rules. <laughs> Family, fornication, food, and fun, and they're big family. Yeah. They're big. I was, yeah, they're big on family. Let me tell you. You know, yes, they have harems. Um, they have lots of offspring, but they believe in education and they believe in discipline and and you don't embarrass your parents or you might get pulled up by your tail and thrown out the window or banged against the wall because they're tough. And if you're tough enough, you'll survive that. And if you won't, oh, well, um, you weren't tough enough. But, you know, they're yeah. they're highly educated and they have, you know, poets and writers and scientists and you know, you've heard Opera. Mark describe they do these elaborate operas that go on for hours, you know, <laughs> and, and, and Craig's heroic. a hero in some of those. Like I think heroic. Mark's been mentioned. <laughs> yeah, they're heroic. And, you know, um, both the females and the males go into the military. And so it's not like, you know, the military is only a, 
a male thing because you've got some female heroes and you know warriors in the military and and I don't know that it's demanded or expected of them but you know they do they do fight along with the men or the males and and they're built for running so they're constantly running and staying in shape and hunting and you know their sense of smell is amazing as you've mentioned ours is not um and mm-hmm. like I've already yeah, they said run you know, Mark, 45 miles per hour yeah. for 20 minutes yeah, twenty minutes. Yeah, so, you know, like, yeah, you know, you know, yeah. one of the cutest things if I could share this. Okay, people, you all got to get this vision going. Okay, you know, like David <laughs> Bowie's "Let's Dance." <laughs> Let's dance. Well, Mark says all the Raptor females get together and do line dancing to that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's very seductive, apparently. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> very seductive. <laughs> It's like I've often teased him. It's like, okay, well, who's line dancing for you? <laughs> but yeah, 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 you can just if I ever hear that song, it's just like that just starts going through my head. And yeah, they they have Me a too. good time. And but you know they're they're also um, and people ask me, well, how do they use a computer or how do they control a ship? All mind based. It's cautious, so you know consciousness assisted. Yeah. Yeah, they don't, they you know, they're talking to the computer or they're thinking to the computer or to yeah. the spaceship. They're not typing things with their claws. And in a fun thing, you know, it's like people think I'm silly when I start talking about this stuff, but like the females love to paint their claws. You know, they'll they'll mm-hmm. have elaborate manicures <laughs> yeah. and get all these little designs painted on their claws. It's, you know, I love the fun side stuff to to hear about them, and, oh, and just yeah. know that you know they're they still our allies. You they're still our they allies. Yeah, they do. Exactly. They love jewelry. They love silks. You know, they don't like to wear clothes. You know, they prefer to run around naked, but they do love the accessories. That's that's what it would be. You know, they love the accessories. <laughs> so yeah, that's so but, you know, perfect. And the, the 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 bigger thing too is. Like, they are still our allies. You know, there are, and I don't mm-hmm. want to give the dark side of anything, but, you know, there are enemies Mm-mm. that come here. They're still helping us fight the enemies that nobody can yes. really talk about. <laughs> yes, they are. So, and, you know, one of, the, yeah. one of the unusual qualities of the Nagas <laughs> is they can't be psionically controlled by the other no. species. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, they're... Yeah, you can't really you can't really mind control them or take over. They're they're very strong. Yeah. So. Okay, so before we, um, I have you describe just a few more species because we're just whizzing through yeah. this. I want you to explain <laughs> to people because they're probably trying to figure out like the dinosaurs and the this and that. Um, the unusual thing that occurred, okay, where the raptors, Naga, and the fleet were all oh, they left. Yeah, and exploring the black hole to accumulate okay. energy from youth and then came back. Can you explain that to them? Well, yeah, and it's funny because you remember some of that. It's like I don't remember that part of it, but, you know, and Mark's <laughs> okay. gone into long, long explanations of this, and the science kind of goes over my head. But in a simple, sim- very simplified version, in a nutshell, Many, many raptors had left the planet millions of years ago to colonize space, and they've done a wonderful job of that. But somewhere out there, they kind of got stuck in this time displacement thing at the event horizon, and, you know, I'm doing a poor job of explaining it. 
he's probably written it down somewhere that took chapters to explain it. But they thought they'd only been gone from Earth maybe a few hundred years or maybe a few thousand years. They'd been gone for millions of years. So when years. they came back, yeah, yeah, when they came back and saw that, you know, we were not rodents any longer. You know, I think we were probably more like rodents when they were here before. But and we, you know, were people, <laughs> and we were kind of running things and and stuff. That that really did shock them. Now. On, I guess the good side is they have a very elaborate and widespread empire out in space. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. not like they just terraformed one planet out there. They've got planets and moons and yada, yada, yada. You know, they've, they've yeah. pretty much got a huge territory out there. So, and, and they were, right. um, yeah, and while they were gone or at some point you know 65 million plus years ago a big asteroid hit like the Yucatan peninsula and pretty much wiped out everything here on the planet their cousin species which was very similar to naga species um another kind of raptor you know very similar species they you know had base they had a base on mars there was a base on the moon some of them lived underground some of them survived all that and they evolved into what we call now the reptoids. So they're basically kind of cousins. They're distantly related to the raptors. They're, they're enemies. And they look more, they've evolved so they look more humanoid. You know, they walk upright. They don't have a tail. But they still have three toes and claws. And they can bite, your, bite you and chew on you and you know, chew you apart mm-hmm. type of stuff. They are our enemies. They are the raptors' enemies. Um, they're very involved with terrorism and ISIS and all the, a lot of nasty things that are going on on the planet right now. Yeah, and African bases. And, folks, there's a picture that will be on our YouTube and on those of you that received the shout-out of what reptoids look like. So the reptoids yeah. basically look down, down at the raptors because the reptoids see themselves as having million years more evolutionary advancement than the raptors. There's only had 6,000 years yeah. missing, right? And so there's this kind well, of, like, war going on too, right? between them yeah and their agendas are different you know they want to enslave us they want to take over you know they still argue that you know they should be in charge of the planet and there have been other operations that mark and his dad have been on where they had a plan in place to start taking over the planet and it got squashed but again you know recently you know they they are involved with you know, current events and terrorism mm-hmm. attacks and, you know, the you hear of a weird attack at a mall, shopping mall, and, you know, you don't really see mm-hmm. pictures of the, the perpetrators, but, you know, the, rap, the reptoids have been behind it. And, you know, they're very capable of mind control and they're very involved with um, mass kidnappings or kidnappings in general and lots of people going missing and, you know, yeah. could be introducing viruses for all we know, but... <laughs> Yes, ma'am. You're very <laughs> right on about that. <laughs> yeah, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, the, the reptoids so are not our friends. No, not really. Okay, so no. um, give just a couple really, really brief descriptions of other species that attended. Like, sure. How about the? I, um, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, because I know we're already almost running out of time, for gosh sakes. Um, there was w- one of Mark's other childhood friends that he made there was called a gastrocell. 
he was one unit of a communal community who had come there like with a message and as a single unit he looks like this beautiful blue oily balloon and just a beautiful creature and they had to encase him in a bubble and then feed him like feed methane and ammonia through a tube into the bubble so that he could that's what he ate now when they're together as in their community they look like clouds so so that was pretty mm-hmm. cool mark got mark could talk to him through you know telepathy and mark and titania and some of the others they would go astral traveling at night when they were supposed to be sleeping and you know together. you could see that they yeah all they would go as a group and you know mark got to meet like other members of his community because they had a you know they were either vacationing or they were just hanging out like near jupiter or saturn or whatever so they had some lovely astral traveling journey so so that was what and and they they um arrived at the conference their ambassadors arrived at the conference through that portal i was talking about there's a there's Mm -hmm. a keep left from a castle in a village that's not far from where Buckfast Abbey is. And I've been there and you can feel the vortex energy there. It's amazing. Um, anyway, that's how they arrived through that vortex. There was also, uh, you know, there was lots of humanoid types there and the oceanics. Um, he was fascinated with them. So you have one species, if you've ever seen the movie, the abyss, you know, those lovely creatures that you could kind of see through and anyway, that's kind of what like these the Nereids are like, and they they live in I don't know I don't know what part of the ocean, but they live you know deep in the ocean, and they're interdimensional beings. And when they want to you know maybe come to the surface or even on land, they have to take take the body of like some recently deceased being. So like they might if they want to come on land, they might take the body of a take over a body of like a you know like a child that just drowned or somebody. But also they can um, shape shift, I guess. So, like, if you want to see a mermaid out on the ocean, they could m- make you think that you're looking at a mermaid. So they they're pretty they're pretty cool, and and it's kind of, that's like kind of like where the concept of King Neptune came from. So the girl, the, the young girl of that species, you know, her father was like the leader, the king, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But she took on the body of like a recently drowned little girl, and they they fed her oatmeal until she got used to eating. And but she she was lovely, and they you know became their they one of their friends. Um, and then the oceanic, the other oceanics. There's a species that looks like dolphins. They're called polymorphs. There's an octopus-like species that doesn't like us, um, but, you know, I guess some octopus are not necessarily an octopus. There's um, like a giant squid-like thing, and there's also one that Mark became good friends with. They look like a lobster, but when they have to wear a bio suit to be on, on Earth, then it's like a walking crab. So, but, you know, yeah. complete with weapons and everything. But they, you know, like you mentioned, they had to they had to create different environments for some of these beings so they could attend the 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 meetings. So they had to build elaborate tanks, and they had to be aware of like what kinds of things each species needed for food. The logistics of this conference must have been a nightmare, oh. um, or fascinating, yeah, depending on how you want to look at it. But you know, you had to exactly. you had to who which species do we need to keep apart, and what what do we need to feed that one, and what do we need to feed that one? <laughs> it yeah, it was amazing. That just it was amazing. Exactly. So those were some of them. And um, so that, those are great de- great descriptions, by the way. 
So, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and there were also, like you said, there were the there were other, and we won't go into a lot of detail, but, you know, you had some Sasquatch there who were, like, hired as bodyguards for certain certain beings. You had several humanoids, and there were several gray species there. So lots of species, mm-hmm. and Mark learned that the scariest-looking ones were usually the most friendly. Yeah. 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 So. Well, what, what about the merchants and traders of the galaxy? Oh, the Canonians. I mean, it, it's yeah. so like Canisians, but we call them Canonians. And it's funny because oh, I, love those guys. I, I don't, I know they were there because they were, it was approved for them after the conference to build a base in Australia. But they're basically this lovely hound dog species that are just simply merchants. They've been interacting with humans on the planet for thousands of years. They love to help us. They would love right now to be our friends and openly, you know, interact with us because they, you know, they're they're business people. They would love more clients. But right now, they have this huge base somewhere in Australia, and they, um, you know, they we export goodies. They export chocolate and bling and jewelry and and whatever out to space because the different species just love it. So they're mm-hmm. they're making big bucks. <laughs> However, the interchange works, but, you know, they're getting rich off of us somehow. Um, so that's pretty cool. Very ambitious. And I know there were yeah. Very ambitious, yes. And I'm sure there were some cats there. He didn't, I don't, in the parts that I've read, he hasn't, didn't really talk about those, but I hear more about them, like, in the, the next conference. But just lots of different species, and he was fascinated. I, I know he... He hung out and watched all these species enter for the opening ceremonies, and then he he and Titania and the other children hung out in one of the balconies in this you know the big abbey, the you know the main like cathedral type. You know, it's probably not as big as a cathedral, but it's a pretty big you know church sanctuary building. Um, so they they were hanging out in the balcony watching the opening ceremonies, and you know I think the opening ceremonies were held like held at midnight. So it was, Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Can you imagine no sleep, no anything, you know? And did anyone uninvited show up? Well, I know two things. Like when one night when um, there's there's a small military castle, like at the near the entrance of the bay near Dartmouth, and there's a military academy there, and um, Torquay is nearby. Anyway, I've been there. So they were going to have a meeting there one night, and um, Mark and the kids, or at least Mark and Titania, I'm not sure who all was there, but it might have been all the kids for all I know. Um, There was a fawn that showed up, and the fawns um, are like the satyr or, you know, half half deer, (laughs) half goat, and half human, like you see from the movie um, Narnia. Um, that's what it reminds me of. Cloned a cloning experiment of the reptoids that I, I wouldn't say it went bad or anything, but so they were not considered a sentient being, so they were not invited to the the conference, oh. and they were not happy about that. Um, and also at the Dartmouth Castle, um, uh, a outlawed group of mantids uh, came to have a meeting with Rich and Naga and stuff. So they weren't really invited either. Maybe other mantids were technically invited, but this outlaw group weren't. But they, they were actually the, the good guys, and, you know, that's how Mark got to got to know some mantid beings because 
the princess yeah. was there, and he loved her face. <laughs> he was fascinated with her jaw, her big, her big crunch. Oh, yeah, ability. her big crunch. It's like, but, oh, yeah, you had a crush like, on the princess, huh? <laughs> no pun intended, because they can crush yeah, your arm in half in one second. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Manted, so, you guys think uh, six foot tall, you know? Yeah. Manted and yeah. sex toys, okay? Just so you get a yeah. sense of, of exactly. all these things. Exactly. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, I feel bad for that fawn. <laughs> anyway, um, I know, so. I know, and I'm not sure if if they ended up letting his like father go to the conference. I'd have to look back at all the notes, but you know, the the kid was nice, and they have a name for him, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he had a name, but I and Marcus mentioned it. I just don't remember what it is off the top of my head. So. I can't tell you okay. folks how many pages of Mark's material that <laughs> Joanne and I have read. So, we're, you know, I'm amazed that we're remembering any of this, right? I mean, you're talking <laughs> tens of thousands. <laughs> yeah, and Marilee has been kindly over to my house and has spent hours helping me scan this stuff so that now it's available digitally. So thank you for all those hours Which, you've spent by the helping way, me. Oh, yes. of course. I was selfish. I wanted to know. I mean, Mark <laughs> writes about 600 to 800 pages per one day at a treaty. Okay. So, so like, I know. I know. Like well, the, the exit book. treaty, you know, the exit treaty reports only 1,200 1200 pages or 2000 you know the the Iran conference is thousands of pages and I don't think he ever finished it. So um, yeah. And you know, I, I know you wanted me to talk about like the outcome of this treaty. Yeah. There's, there's two things I take away from it, and as I said before, the Canonians were allowed to establish a base in Australia, so that that's pretty cool. Um, and and they're looking forward to the day where we can openly. My cats want their dinner. Um, they're looking forward to the day when we can openly have commerce with them. Now, the big thing that I keep mentioning is that open communication between civilians and uh, ETs or aliens or non-humans was banned for 50 years. So 1961, and then there was a mini conference in 2011 when Princess you know, Kate and William from England got married. So right after that, there was another mini conference in, or a big meeting, whatever you want to call it, in Paris. And they renewed that they renewed that part of the treaty, you know. Still they're gonna keep banning it for another fifty years. So, you know, you have projects like SETI who are the government's mm-hmm. front saying, Oh yeah, we're gonna try and establish contact and the military's right. been contacting in contact with the species forever, you know, for a long exactly. time. And still, and you know, it's like we point. could all get in trouble. Pardon me? Yeah. I said that's a good point to explain to people because you know, they had the first big treaty in 1971, uh, 61. So then we're going to, uh, part two, we're going to talk about the one in Persepolis, where the front, where you get all the important people showing up, was the Shah of Iran's birthday. And just like Well, you it was just like said, the birthday the of the wedding. monarchy. Yeah, it was oh, the birthday, okay. the, the 2500 year birthday of the monarchy or the anniversary of the monarchy. So they, they put on an elaborate several day party. But um, right, yeah. I mean, and like underneath, treaties. Going on. Yeah, yeah. And under the guise of that, you've got all these meetings going on, and and species trying to sabotage the conference, and 
Yeah, that was amazing. But it's it's interesting because, you know, the aliens have been coming here for a long time and our political oh, yeah. leaders have been meeting with them, you know, since the 30s and 40s. So, but in a lot of those treaties, you know, they had to keep trying because a lot of those treaties had already been broken. And even at the Exeter conference, you had you had people making side deals with each other, elite groups, you know, the beginning of the New World Order stuff. You had all these groups making side deals and making their own deals with the aliens. And, and even now and over, over the years, it's like you had all these, you know, these countries, like they're going to make different deals with different alien groups. And at any one moment, yeah. you know, Russia might work with this race, and now they're working with this race. And, you know, China might be working with this race this year and another race, this, you know, that, so – Different yeah. side deals and have been going on for years, and it's a ama- it's amazing and a comp- very complex issue. But um, it is. Which there is there are I the want- good news is there are species who do want to communicate with us and do want to get along with us. So and there's a, a lot of species number, who don't actually. want that to happen. But yeah. Well, we're cleaning we're cleaning house, and this is what I wanted uh, the civilians to, uh, even though I'm the civilian folks, but um, you know, all you people out there to to just start realizing that all this has been going on under your feet, and you will never understand political or any other things until you get the whole big picture of this. So I know it's probably a lot, but it's a really um, fun, amazing you know, subject. And so, and also the Falklands War in 1981, we didn't have a treaty because it was actually an ET war. So people were preoccupied with that. So, and that, and then I remember Mark was saying, well, we don't really do the big, kind of like what you were mentioning, we don't do the big treaties anymore because of the satellites. It's pretty hard to like do things anymore with all the surveillance of everything, you know? Right. Yeah, but they have all these meetings. So like the Kyoto Treaty Conference, you know, that was another mm. one of these many conferences. Like when you have these G da 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 something like economic summits, you know, you can be sure mm-hmm. there's probably aliens there too having these meetings and stuff. And and I think, you know, when we talk about the Iran conference, there's a timeline of things. And, you know, there was a timeline set for setting a date for disclosure, you know, which was like 2031 right. is when they thought they might just set a date. <laughs> And obviously a bunch of us are trying to move that up. <laughs> yes, exactly. So. Exactly. Exactly. So um, thank you so much, Joanne. So why don't you please share? You just wrote a new book. Oh, you are right. also, you know, at the head of the Earth Defense Headquarters. So share with people about that and where they oh, can get information from you. Okay. Well, Earth Defense Headquarters has two websites, edhca.org and edhq.org. So that's that. And I've just written a book that will very soon be printed called Midlife Magic about, it's basically my memoir and, you know, how I have a normal childhood and I got married a million times and then how I got into the the world of weird, as I call it, the magic and the paranormal (laughs) and elementals and space stuff and, and just, you know, how my life has totally changed since I met Mark and went down this wonderful rabbit hole <laughs> to turn to learn about yes. all these awesome topics. So, you know, that's what that's about. And um, that should be available shortly. And I do have a, like an author page on Facebook and it's on my LinkedIn. Um, and, and you can just go on, on Facebook and pull up my name and I keep posting stuff about it. So you can get on my mailing list of things 
so you'll know exactly when it's going to be out. But it should be out very shortly. <laughs> it's very, it's very, very exciting. Very exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. So, so Joanne is two separate words. You want to spell it for them? So when it's they type J-O, it in. J-O, yeah, J-O, capital A-N-N, two words, Richards. There's a space between okay. the J-O space A-N-N, yeah. And they'll find yeah. they'll find you they'll find you that way. Is they there will. Any last thing you are, are you know want to let the audience know the listeners know at this point in time in history any advice anything that comes out for you. Um, I I think you know don't live in fear. I always say that you know don't live in fear. Some of the stuff we we teach with this stuff is scary. But I, you know, you and I are on the same page. We like to talk about the culture and what the species are like because I think there needs to be a day where we're all working and walking around together and having tea together. And, you know, I can't wait till I have my property where they can just all come and land and have tea. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I look forward to positive. It's like men in black, you know. I love the idea of having a positive relationship because many, you know, under – it couldn't be open, but I have read through Mark's reports that it is very possible for us to get along with them, and we have so much to learn by different from different species. It's just amazing. Yeah. So, and it's going yeah. on underneath people's noses. So that's why if people become aware right. and right. work through it, you know, it's like um, just like people here when they have blessed and have the opportunity to travel, they're going to be less biased, less fearful, less scared of the news. So we need to get on with it because we used to be a galactic civilization and we're moving back there, folks. So um, so join us in two weeks for part two when we will talk <laughs> about the second convention that held right. place in Persepolis, Iran in 1971 with some amazing stories. And oh my yep. gosh, we could just talk into midnight, couldn't we? <laughs> I know. We could. <laughs> But my cats want dinner. And <laughs> I know. Okay. They're very vocal. Well, thanks for joining me, Joanne. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so now, much for having me, Marilee. Okay, okay, dear. Take thanks, care. Thanks Bye, everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.